1: Weeks, 2, 3, maybe a 4th They're coming out of his beat, 6 and 7 Top the my matches it 8 Oh wow no, 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 no Yes, welcome back, Supercoach365 Podcast And how lucky we are once more to be joined by Natty of the Weekly Rub Down. Natty, we're back for another set of 6, it was such a hit last time Looking forward to getting, right, getting I know, stuck what's into another one
0: on brother? Here. 100% set of 6, how good was it? I really enjoyed the last one so that was the guns. What are we getting into in this set of six?
1: Well, you used the term on that last episode called the sweet spot. I really liked it because I think drafts can certainly be won and lost in rounds four to eight. And you guys have I've uh, said that time and time again.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, the sweet spot. It's really, it's really where you put your work in because those rounds one to three... Um, you're sort of just picking the best players that fall into your lap, you know what I mean? But after that, once you get into four and eight, that's where you sort of, sort of got to start digging into it and start searching for the best value and sort of building a nice, well-rounded side. So it's the most important rounds in, in our view.
1: I think because there is so much emphasis put on first, second, even third picks, that there's probably that focus is, is swayed from rounds four to eight because I don't think you can lose your draft necessarily in picks one and two but you can certainly lose at picks four to eight because that's where the real value comes.
0: Big time. And I saw, I said on a podcast, I think last night when we were recording, talking about round three, there's about 15, maybe even 20 guys that could you could fit into that round three, sort of picks 20 to 30 or 35. Um, that just means that some of these guys are going to overflow into to round four, um, you know, picks 30 plus. And that's where the value lies. So when you've got guys that you know, you're know you happy to take in that third round, that spill over in into your fourth round, that's the lotto, baby. You've won the lotto.
1: For those who missed the first episode, you can find that on both of our feeds and on the Supercoach365 YouTube, of course. Just uh, search us at Supercoach365 or, or, Natty, give yourself one more plug before we get stuck into this.
0: Yeah, of course, mate. Just so you can find the Weekly Rubdown wherever you get your, your podcasts and Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Check us out there. We do probably our best work on instagram with a lot of content coming out there so come check us out and uh get your rub on
1: this is the second set of six of course we did one you've already said there we spoke about the guns so i guess leading a lot of that conversation around the guns was the big high ceiling players namely the fullbacks and that's where we start again here uh with this episode here let them slide the first of our set of six here gun number ones down the draft boards and I guess given the prevalence of high ceiling, high scoring players, you think Trevojevic, Tedesco, Pappenhausen, Latrell Mitchell, even potentially top 10 picks, there's going to be value later on if you go around those types and you go towards a Will Kennedy or a Jaden Campbell on your screen here. My question to you is, Natty, should you be holding out on a fullback in that first round if you don't get one of those four names we just said?
0: I think if you're early on in your draft, sort of picks one, one to six. Um, I think you need to grab some of those elite guys in, you know, Teddy, little puppy, um, Latrell. But if you don't get those guys, I'm happy to wait. And there's a list of guys here. You know, you've put up Dufty, Kennedy, Walsh, Campbell. Now, Kennedy and Walsh specifically, round four. If they if they slip to round four, that is massive value because I'm I'm pretty confident that. In most leagues, they'll probably go mid round three, uh, towards the back end of three. So sort of picks 25 plus. I'm ha- especially Kennedy. I'm happy to take Kennedy in, in round three. But if they yeah. both slipped to round four, you've got to jump on it. Saying that with Walsh, obviously there's a little bit of chat about him wanting to leave the Warriors already. I'm not sure that that sort of turmoil is going to you know affect his game or you know what it means for his output for the the Warriors. I am really pumped up to see him playing outside S J. Um, not really crazy on the Warriors' strength of the schedule, but I think that link up is going to be very sexy to see Supercoach-wise. Um, but yeah, Kennedy's my boy, man. Kennedy for the Sharks. I'm just so, so excited about what he can do uh, in 2022.
1: There's so much chat about Will Kennedy, and it's funny because this time last year, yeah, he had potential. We probably realised that a little bit last year, but you know, people like yourself and Clarkey, the Don whisperer even all these types who are you know invested so heavily in rugby league but also super coach primarily we're kind of thinking there's a little bit more in the tank still for will kennedy and we might just see it this year with you know some new additions at
0: the sharks oh 100 percent um there's this weird four point outlier that's in his game from last year i don't know what happened there played 80 minutes got four points I just wanna cancel that out when I'm looking at his stats because you get a better look at the, the output that he had in 2021. I can't imagine him putting up a four point game in 2022. So if you take that out, he had a 68 average. 12 tries, 16 assists, really well-rounded fullback. So you're not only getting that upside with him with the ball in hand, but he's setting up the guys around him. You mentioned that the Sharks, they're probably going to be a better attacking team in 2022. So that's mm. going to be to be good for his game. Also the addition to Nico Hines. That's going to be good for his attack in that, you know, Nico Hines is probably going to be feeding him really good ball. But Nico's going to attract a lot of defense, something that Kennedy didn't really have last year where, you know, the defense is really sort of structured around another player not him so that might give you some space out the back as well um and i've said it again and again the sharks strength of schedule is just amazing it's the best season long it's the best for finals and will kennedy for his position specific strength of schedule so fullback he has the best season long strength of schedule the fifth best final strength of schedule among all fullbacks so it's just too many ticks for me for kennedy and it's and this is I mean, everyone putting out content is is fantastic But what Mm. happens is when everyone's talking about the same player It drives down that value So someone that might have been a a fourth rounder You know, picks 35 plus All of a sudden, with all this chat and everyone getting all over him He's probably more at 25 plus
1: Let's stop talking about Will Kennedy then Let's leave him alone there
0: Leave (laughs) him alone, guys Forget everything (sighs) I said Who? shit, he won't do anything
1: just before we move on from the fullbacks, I want to say on Dufty, it's it's an interesting one. New names at the Sharks, but plenty of new names at the Bulldogs. And I guess Dufty's value at the Dragons was that there wasn't too many other guns there. You think of Lomax and, and Dufty, that's, they were the two who it was. Um, but now he goes into this, what looks now a star-studded Bulldogs team with plenty of attacking weapons. You think Burton, Addo Carr, Pango Jr. Does that hurt Dufty in a way?
0: Look, for starters, he's... On the pre-draft list, he's going to be way too high for where his value lies. He's got an inflated average. So for guys that, you know, don't tinker with their pre-draft list like they should, you know, he's an auto-draft nightmare. I do like... Because he's an opportunist Dufty um, in the game, isn't he? So if you've got guys like Burton, TPJ, especially with TPJ's offload, like I can see Burton attracting a lot of defenders, getting the ball off his hip to TPJ, him creating space, you know, offload to Dufty, Dufty's through. That sort of play where Dufty's just floating around the ball and just looking for that sort of second phase play, I really think that's going to be a big part of his game. The one thing I will say about Dufty is, and it's sort of, has been the case for the last couple of years is his job security. Now, mm-hmm. Do we think he lasts the whole season? I don't know. He's only on a one-year contract. They're obviously going to see how he goes. Tell me if you know the first three or four rounds he shits the bed, do they try someone else back there? It's it's something to consider when you're drafting Dufty.
1: Well, that was the thing, wasn't it? When they signed, or well, when we Car went on the market, I should say, he was spoken of going to the Tigers to play fullback or even... You know, another club uh, to try his hand at playing number one. So interesting to see uh, what happens there with Dufty. Oh, I'm with you. I think he's too high on draft boards as it stands, and I'd probably lean towards one of those other types, even a, a Jaden Campbell at the Titans there, because I think there's probably a little bit more upside in the Titans than the Bulldogs and everything else that's going to be happening there. Let's see that there on the fullback, so, because I think a lot of the value will come, and a lot of, uh, I guess, the drafts will be shaped and shifted by... When people go reaching for injured players, and I use that term reaching because I don't really know when is the right time to pick up someone like a Tohu Harris or an Adam Dewey, because we both know they're out for at least eight weeks, maybe more. When's the right Mm. time to grab someone who's a bit sick and sorry?
0: God, it's, it's tough, isn't it? And I have a blanket rule, and I have since I started playing draft, and that's don't draft a guy that's coming off an ACL that's coming back halfway through the season. It's just something you don't want to do, and especially you don't want to reach for them. But in saying that, I have another rule, value is value. So if these guys slip to a point where you're like, wow, this is just great value, um, I would probably be... More comfortable with Dewey just because of his output um, and the way that you know he can slide into this Tigers team. This Tigers have got a really nice run towards the back end of the season. But in saying that, also there is there is a world where Dewey comes back. and Jackson Hastings has been killing it for the first mm. half of the season. That's Getting what I feel. Not missing. Yeah, and then he gets moved to center, moved to center. Now, if you've if you spend a third round draft pick on on Dewey hoping that you know he's gonna come back he's gonna get the sixth he's gonna got kick goals and I've got you know a high-end CTW 5-8 jewel for the back end of the season and then he comes back and Jackson Hastings is too good to move out of there which I can see happening to be honest like yeah. Jackson Hastings killed it over there in the UK he's a big boy as well like he's about 90 something kilos or something ridiculous like that so he's a big 5-8 and we know Dewey can play center uh, well he is the center really Um, So that's something to think about there. And before I sort of came to that conclusion, I was kind of okay with taking Dewey sort of back end of round three, maybe early round four. Now, with that in the back of my mind, I think I'll let someone else take him. And as far as Tohu goes... And we'll probably talk to you know Brian on the Weekly Rubdown to get a better view of this with his injury and forwards coming back from ACLs. But because there's a lot less lateral movement um, yeah. in those forwards, I guess it's less impact on Tohu than it's going to be with Dewey. But I don't know. I, I just come back to that blanket rule, man, where I just go, look, I'm going to let someone else take him.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. And it's a good segue into the next one we're going to talk about here because it's exactly that, isn't it? Uh, Luke Keary. I've got here, unlucky Luke. Is is Luke Curie a draft day trap? And I spoke about this with the NRL Dawn the other day about Luke Curie, and he said, give me a player who you'd be hesitant to draft, and you can understand why other people would And I think Luke Curie fits that bill exactly because we don't know what we're going to get. We've seen historically that 60 average, 65 average peak. He came out of the blocks very quick last year, but so did the Roosters in a way. Are we going to see that from Kyrie or is he a trap? Are people going to draft on hype and not necessarily five years of history and statistics that we probably should be drafting off?
0: Yeah, he's an interesting one, man. And there's a few different things I want to talk about when we're talking about Luke Kyrie One, people need to differentiate a really good rugby league player and a really good supercoach player. Yeah. Now, Luke Kyrie is going to be immense for the Roosters. Super smart player, high footy IQ, knows how to use the guys around him. He's going to be steering the ship. But I see him more of the Cooper Cronk mold where just a fantastic rugby league player, probably won't reach the heights that everyone thinks he is going to in super coach. Um, I think he'll share the ball around a lot. Uh, And obviously he's coming off those three games in, in 2021 where he averaged 75. Throw that out the window. You're better off looking at 2020 stats.
1: Mm. Now,
0: we've got him in the top 30 more because he's a dual halfback 5'8", and the Roosters have a really good strength of schedule, and the Roosters will probably be top one, top two um, supercoach attacking teams rather than his average. I'm sort of looking at him in average-wise, 60 to 65 yeah. I don't think he gets above that 65. And I don't think you're going to get that high ceiling from him as well. You're going to have low games. You're going to have you know some games where he might get close to the 100. I don't see any games where he'll get over the 100, to be honest. Okay. Um, and so Wook and I have talked about the Sam Walker versus Luke Keery. I think Sam Walker is the better Super Coach player. I think Luke Keery is the better, better regular league player.
1: Okay. Important there, like you said at the top, differentiate between... Mm your Cooper Cronks of the world versus your Braden Trindles of the world. Obviously, Cronk, the better player, but, I mean, you look at Braden Trindles' output last year and suddenly he's churning out 80s, 90s, 100 pluses with consistency, something that Cronk didn't do over a 10-plus year career. So, a uh, big difference between uh, the real world and uh, the super coach world. Um, yeah, he's, he's ADP 32, so pretty much bang on with what you said there about going in third round there for Luke Keery. Uh Next one, speaking of uh, halves, and, and coming back, this one, well, a change of scene. Adam Reynolds, King of the North. What are we going to do with Adam Reynolds this year? Because uh, I actually found this in our uh, South season, season Preview the other day. Uh, you can check that one out on, on our feeds, of course. Cody Walker had a hand in 33% of South's tries last year. Adam Reynolds just 8%. How does that number fluctuate at the Broncos, do you think? Is he more hands-on, more involved?
0: Yeah, well, he's another one of these guys that you know he's going to be uh, invaluable for the the team itself, and he's going to be a, a fantastic rugby league player in general. It may not translate into really good super coach scores. You know, he's going to be he's going to be the general. He's going to be steering the ship. He's going to be getting the forwards into into place. Um, but the thing with Adam Reynolds is, and I talked about this in the off season as, as well. He had a fifty eight average, and yeah. The Bunnies were the most successful supercoach scoring team in the league. And they were beating teams by 50, 55 times. And he was getting nearly 20 points a game in goals. Yeah. So, for me, it just shows that... Because he's not going to get 20 points a game in goals at, at the Broncos. You would think, I mean, if he gets 12 points a game in goals, you'd be happy. So, he's, he's another guy that, look one of the best halfbacks in the game uh really skillful really smart player but i'm not really expecting him to to produce much super coach wise in 2022 you um, you gotta look at value where he slips obviously i think i think he would be a solid 55 point player uh, but that all depends on how the broncos attack and how he uses these weapons like if he if he links up really nicely with katoni Stags and jordan ricky on that right edge you know there could be a lot of points there but it's a lot of question marks at the moment, and I just look at last year and I go, look, that's the year that you, he should have averaged seventy, and he didn't. So
1: you look back, and it's either twenty nineteen or twenty twenty. You'd probably be able to tell me there was one year when Adam Reynolds, I think, he averaged mid sixties or you know even high sixties. I don't know what's changed in South's game because even at that point, they were. They, I mean, for as long as I can remember, as long as Cody Walker's been there, they've always been left side. They always go to AJ. So what's been the fall off with Adam Reynolds? Is it just even more of an emphasis on Cody and going... Well, I guess maybe Latrell heading to Souths could be a reason there as well?
0: I think both of them. And you see in some of those attacking raids, Cody Walker and Latrell link up together on both sides of the field. So now Mm. you've got, you know, Adam Reynolds squaring up the defence and doing a lot of work to sort of set the attacking line and put the defence in two minds giving good ball to Cody or Latrell at the back and it's one pass too early before you get any super coach points even though you know he's probably the mastermind behind that attacking play and setting everything up and actually getting the team in that position to attack in the first place but he's one pass too short to get that last touch or two passes too short to get that try assist because you've got Cody and Latrell playing both sides of the field so I think that's a major factor.
1: Yeah, funny you say that about going to the line and, and squaring up and obviously that opening up the field for those other two names. He had the most line engagements last year, Adam Reynolds, of anyone in the NRL. So just no, shows you. a good he, halfback. Yeah, and that's his job. That's his role. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if you've got one point for every line engagement in SuperCoach, we might be talking a, a 60, 65 average without question uh, for Adam Reynolds. Anyway, we're not, so we'll move on. Next one here, and uh, this is uh, a couple of names here. I think there's going to be some real value, and whatever way you look at it it's either going to be reaching or letting these guys slip Uh, and of course I'm speaking of uh, two diamonds in the rough hot or not Lomax and Momorowski potentially to rival Garrick is that a hot take bang on What, what do you reckon
0: I think, yeah, Zach Lomax is very sexy. I mean, if you dive into how he went last year in a struggling Dragons team, with him himself struggling with niggling injuries um, and not playing a full season. So if you take his injury-affected game away, he averaged 62 and only scored four tries. Yeah, that's that's very, very good. I know. And in the Dragons team this year, where they've got a lot of young guns and Ben Hunt's going to have his fingerprints all over the attacking plays for the Dragons. Who's his safety blanket in that side? It's Zach Lomax. Not only is he good in the back line, he's got a nice flick ball, but he's fantastic under the high ball. So I'm really big on Zach Lomax. Um, It's... You know, Garrick, To'o, or To'o, Garrick, then it goes Daniel Tupu and Zach Lomax in that next tier, and they're the top of the next tier. So I'm really big on Zach Lomax. Um, Sharpshooter with with the kicking tee as well, love that. That's obviously, with his base, plus his high percentage for for goal kicking, doesn't get any better than that for a CTW.
1: Yeah, I ran some uh, numbers yesterday uh, before coming on to have a chat with you. So, when you came back from that broken thumb or broken hand end of last year, four games, the Dragons got beaten by an average margin of 14 points per game, and he still averaged 73 points per game. So, it just shows you that even when they're getting beaten, he's still doing something, which you can't say a lot about, well, you can't say that about a lot of center wing options in the NRL.
0: No, and that's it. And... Look, I like to keep a keen eye on the cab chassis for the players coming off the pre pre-season, and he looks like he's jacked as fuck. He looks yeah. like a big boy. He looks like he's put about five kilos of muscle on, and I love that because he's quick, he's agile, fleet-footed. Now with that strength and that sort of upper-body violence, I mean, yeah, I'm really big on him. Paul, Mor- Paul Moroski is a really interesting one, though. What's your thoughts there? Does he get that left-centre spot, or does he get the right-wing spot? No, I think
1: you'll go left-centre. I'm just... And, again, I forgot to mention this at the top, but you guys have got right behind this the Graham watch. I've extended oh, yeah, this mate. to the Mom watch or, you know, anyone else who who were out there that we need to know where they're playing. I think Nagama looks like he's going to be the right winger. Yep. And Momorowski may be the left-centre. So, you think that left side, they'll have Kiri, Crichton, Mom, Tupo. He's. Well, it looks
0: like it might be... Kiri might take up the right... Right. Okay. And Sam Walker will be the left. So, okay. Mommy will be outside Sam Walker. But the interesting thing, and you've got it here with the goal kicking. Mm. I've heard that he's the best goal kicker at the club. Poor Momorowski. But I'm sure they'll be having a lot of kickoffs in in the preseason to work out who it's going to be, whether it's going to be Sam Walker or it's going to be CY Takiyaho, or in in case it's going to be poor Momorowski if he gets this spot. I, I would look. I think he's got his nose ahead, Paul Momorowski, but he doesn't, He hasn't kicked in a while in NRL either. So, I don't know. It's it Like you said, it's the mommy watch. Hashtag mommy watch.
1: Can we throw James Tedesco back into that list, or is
0: his kicking days
1: officially done and dusted, Teddy?
0: Remember when that happened? Jeez. <laughs> he almost Super broke, coaches broke the internet. Wild. I know. It did indeed. Oh, and then God.
1: I remember that, that first game against Manly, I think they won by 40-plus. And if Teddy could have kicked a goal that day, they would have won by 50-plus. I think he missed four or five. So,
0: Yeah, for sure. You
1: know, he's human after all, James Tedesco. Um, yeah, Momorowski, I, um, I success seems to follow him, or he seems to follow success. I don't know which one, which way it is, but I think there was a stat saying he's been five clubs in five years and three of them have made the grand final. So what that means for the Roosters this year can only be good things. Um, he's The Roosters, as you say there, they're going to be an attacking team If he's scoring tries and kicking goals I think there's plenty of upside there He may not rival Garrick, that's probably a hot take too far But I can definitely see him being a, a top 5, top 6 Centering option come the end of the year Paul Momorowski um, no, I agree We're happy with those two there we'll, we'll leave that one there and push on to the last one here
0: Yeah, for sure, man
1: Alright, uh, the last one, the finishes off The set of 6, short and sharp today Just the way we like it these two here now, the dual position players. If you're not watching this, of course, uh, Connor Watson and Ewan Aiken on your screens here are licensed to roam. Will these dual position players fire in 22? Or are we going to sort of? It's it's a it's a double-edged sword. This one, isn't it? They're either going to be so good, or let everyone down. I I don't know if there's an in between.
0: Yeah. It's it is tough. I mean, I'm we're massive on kind of Watson and the rub down, but we're we're very bullish. We pick a hill, and that's the hill we're going to die on. There, obviously, Robbo's come out and he said that you know Verrells is his, is going to be his nine. Now, I didn't expect Watto to be named at nine for the year. Like he is an impact player. He's going to be that number fourteen. Minutes is the big issue for me. I don't need him to play any more than 55 because I know what he can do with 50 to 55 minutes. He can be a 60 average player. But the question is, how does he get those minutes? How is the split going to work? Do you know what I mean? Like if Verrills is going to have 60 minutes at hooker, that's only 20 minutes that he can play at nine. And does he steal minutes away from Radley? How does that rotation work? Are they going to play Radley 80 minutes? So you can add to the watch list, mate, the hashtag (laughs) what I watch. It's an ever-growing list, isn't it? We need to know. We need to know, and like, and if he can get fifty minutes, his PPM PPM is crazy. Um, and that's at the night when they weren't, you know, a, a great attacking team, and they weren't as dominant in the middle that the Roosters will be this year. And I can see him just wreaking havoc uh, in the middle with Teddy, um, Kiri controlling the side. I mean, it's just the potential there for upside for Watto is is crazy. And then Ewan and Aitken, I mean, it's a small sample size with him playing on the edge, but he was really good, you know, really hard um, edge line player, close to line, dangerous. Um, he's been training in the back row all preseason, so you can bet your dick that he's been... Putting in the work in the weight room, trying to put some muscle on, get a bit of mm-hmm. size, uh, so they can he can fit that role. But dual players, man, it's just it's, and one of the great things about jewels is, is, for Supercoach is the flexibility. You're gonna get hit with injuries. It's gonna help you with trades throughout the season. In my opinion, you get as many jewels as possible, and on the weekly rubdown, we attribute value to your jewels, and you can get up to five points of value. You're not gonna average more than five minutes. Five points just because it all, we attribute five points of value to that because season long, it could be that valuable, it could be super valuable, especially if you get an injury. So I'm keen on both of them.
1: Just before we move on from Watson and wrap this up, I just I want to ask you because I think we saw some success, particularly last year with um, I think of Benji Marshall. Souths didn't need to carry Benji on the bench, but they did. Mm-hmm. Is it a case of like that for Connor Watson, do you feel, where it's he doesn't necessarily have to go and play through the middle or through an edge or out wider, you know? It's just the, the fact that he's that good that he needs to be somewhere on the field for 50 minutes, do you think? And sort of he'll shape the game in any way he can?
0: Oh, it, like, in my opinion, yeah, 100%. Like, once the sting has been taken out of the game, He's the perfect player to bring on and have him running at tied defenders, especially the way the game is today and how quick it is. Like I said, he's just going to wreak havoc. And he's so versatile. He could literally play anywhere. Put him in the front row, doesn't matter. He'll do the same job. He's just going to be floating around the ball, looking for offloads, looking for quick play of the balls, looking for space, looking for gaps. And it just could you imagine being... A defender that's been on there for thirty-five minutes, yep. you've been worked, and now this bloke's running at you. Hands I on think hands
1: of yeah. No, I think that's uh, you put it you put it um, so well there. It's just he's he's so dangerous. It doesn't matter what number he's got on his back or where he's playing. As long as he's got the ball in his hand for the Roosters, he's going to be doing damage. Uh, a player not on the screen there, who I just want to touch on before we wrap this up, Sean Johnson of the Warriors, the homecoming. Now you don't often see this, or at least. Uh, Again, this is verbatim, don't quote me, but half 5-8 jewels. they're rare. Good ones, even more rare. Johnson, that 52 average last year, it's probably below where we know he can get to. What do you make of Johnson going back to the Warriors? Because I think they're an interesting team. They're going to be scrapping for that 8th to 10th at best, but Johnson's going to have a big role in that. So there's probably a little bit of upside there in SJ. Where does he go in the draft ranks?
0: Yeah, he's an interesting one, SJ. And I mean, the big negative there is, will he play a full season? I don't think he's played mm. a full season in the last three years. And that's, that's really the big concern. But for me, it's all about vibe. Um, and I've, I've talked about this on the rub when we've covered the Warriors or, or covered SJ. If you go to his social media page, uh, you just read the stuff and the photos that he's got on there. He is the happiest man on the planet right now. Yeah, he just he is just elated with being back at the Warriors. He's stoked with the playing group. Um, I mean, that photo of him when he first put on the Warriors jersey—it's um, it, it, like I said, the happiest man alive. Um, and I just really think, you know, happy footballers play good football. Um, and with that sort of vibe, I know what he's capable of. Like you mentioned, the halfback five-eight dual eligibility—that's sexy. Um, I don't think he has the goal kicking. I don't think they take that away from Walsh. Although, geez, if Walsh is going to keep saying that he's, he's going to go elsewhere, maybe they do give it back to SJ. Yeah. So that's an interesting one as well. I've only just sort of thought about that because I thought, you know, of course they're just going to keep it with this kid, but if he's not going to have a future at the Warriors, why would they bother?
1: I think another one, and this time last year that we were big on, particularly you guys, and I saw the value there as well, was Harris Tavita. I think he can kick mm. as well. So. With yeah. Walsh out for round one, we're going to know straight away, as soon as the Warriors score a try, who, where the value truly lies. Is it with CHT or is it with SJ? And we won't have to wait too long to find out.
0: No, that's it. And add this to the watch list. Whoever's playing the other half partnering SJ. Is it CHT? Is it uh, Ash Taylor? Is it Cody Nicarima? Who knows?
1: It's funny. Uh, the Maldi All-Stars, they'll run out with six and seven. The two Warriors in the halves potentially shooting it out in an in-game trial to see who will partner Sean Johnson. I know SJ's probably locked up one jersey, but the other one up for grabs there. Natty, that probably wraps what? us up. Actually, before we do, I want to I ask mm. you this, because I know that you and Guru have been massive on Ruben Cotter, yes. another dual position player here. Um, did you manage to catch Tamalolo's press conference yesterday? I thought that was one of the weirdest press conferences I've seen. If you haven't seen it, I'd urge you to go and watch it. Strange. He didn't. He wouldn't answer his vaccination status, which for me, you don't answer. You are answering it in a way.
0: Yeah, it, it, yeah. It sounded to me like I'm not vaccinated. That's how I read it. Yeah, that's how I saw it. So, and I've not got plans to get vaccinated, which is weird. I, I just yeah, there's a lot of questions among that. Like, where does the club stand on that? Where does the NRL stand on that? I'm not sure. Um, lot of question marks uh, for that one. But we are. I talked to the guru the other day and. He reckons that Mitch Dunn might be a chance to get the 13 as well, which is going to be terrible for for Ruben Cotter. So he's in he's in the line to uh, to get the 13 as well, which means they'll move Nanai up into the back row to partner Helam Lukey. Yeah, um, and then, I can see
1: that I can see that happening.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then Cotter will no doubt be he'll be either 14 or left right out. So for a guy that we're really big on at the start of the season, all of a sudden, shit, there's whispers around. We've seen some things at training and, yeah, add it to the watch list. Got a watch. Dono, add it, yep, add it to the watch list. I you think have to make oh, a I, list on socials. Yeah,
1: let's start it up. I, I asked you that because <laughs> I can see it. I can see the value there. And I said to the Donnie as well, it's almost like we're willing it into existence, much like uh, myself and, and Campbell Graham. We almost mm. want it to happen. It's almost too good to be true, but we just know we can see it. If if it does happen, geez, the value is there. So, sort of hedging got our it. bets a little bit.
0: I mean, the sample size is small, but he's literally the same player that Cam McInnes is at lock. If you look yep. at the stats, It's just that Cam McInnes gets a lot more minutes. So, and that, that's that's where you, got, you you know Cam McInnes has been talked about taking in the second round. And now Reuben Cotter, I mean, that's supreme value where you get him, like, round four, round five, round six sometimes, you know, in some leagues that aren't really looking at him. So, yep, Cotter watch. Add it.
1: Add it to the list. An ever-growing list. Natty, we'll keep our eyes on that, mate. Um, thanks for stopping by. We're going to do this one more time. Next time you come back, we're going to talk some some really, really late-round picks, some sleepers and some smokies as well. So looking forward to that. I love
0: it, I love it bro. Thanks for having me.
1: Anytime, uh this is the Supercoach365 podcast, teaming up with the guys from the weekly RubDown. We'll do it uh, one more time, at least in the preseason and maybe a couple of times throughout the season. Give us a follow at SuperCoach365 or Natty, tell us one more time.
0: Yep, wherever you got your socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, and wherever you listening to your podcast you'll find the weekly rubdown, come to your rub on.